Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome into another edition here of The Early Line on the grid at sportsgrid.com. Joe and Ari alongside Dane Martinez here as we continue to push forward into the weekend and, uh, and look for these storylines that continue to emerge all throughout the sports world. And, of course, uh, you know, a lot of people, and we talked about it yesterday there, Dan, were just enamored with uh, the openness of Tom Brady. Right. Um, and the fact that, uh, and this is a shock, Dan, and you'll, um, you'll appreciate this in the future, and I just want you to know that you are just like, uh, you will be a lot like Tom Brady, and any so. guy that's ever taken the plunge and uh, has done the marriage thing, yeah. shockingly enough, people were blown away um, that he actually, uh, his wife was mad at him for a little while there, and that, um, uh, yep, they got into a little, uh, little kerfuffle there and uh, worked it out. Shocking news, I know, but people were blown away because apparently they just thought, you know, a guy that eats, uh, doesn't eat strawberries uh, married to a uh, supermodel, apparently they don't fight. Um, and that would be the first time in the history of mankind uh, that that would ever take place. I don't care who you are, but a lot of people seem to be all, uh, all blown away with that or the idea that somehow or another he uh, played last year knowing he wasn't coming back. Uh, pretty much like every other player under Bill Belichick knew, I'm gone a year early before it's a year too late. But, hey, you know, listen, everybody's got their own uh, surprises in life. Uh, none of that was surprising to us, but there seems to be an awful lot of people that could not believe that. But once again, I would encourage you guys, take a listen, because uh, from my standpoint, nobody interviews like Howard Stern. Like, I, I mean, the fact... I, and we may get more inside looks into Tom Brady. I don't know that we will uh, because, you know, Howard Stern is a guy that just, for whatever it is, man, over the years, and, you, you know, you listen to him. If you listen to him growing up in New York, he just had that way with getting people at 6 o'clock in the morning during his morning show, if you remember, man, when he was on K-Rock and everything else in New York. Like, you would listen to him, and this dude was just like, how did you get people to open up at 6.20 in the morning and tell you their entire life story? But that was Howard Stern. And I listen, I, I wish more athletes went on the show. He doesn't really... He usually gets the, the you know, the, the dumpster fires after the fact, but... This was, you know, a lot of guys are very intimidated to go with Stern. They always have been because he, and you walk out going, why the hell did I just, why did I say that, right? It's like amazing, but he's been that guy, and it was fascinating the way that whole uh, interview unfolded last, uh, this week. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, like maybe we are finding out that Tom Brady puts his Uggs on one oh, foot I'm just like no, everybody else. Well done, well he done. To, you know, deal with his wife, he may have yep. You know, whatever. I lose one-one ties all the time in yep. my household, and I'm sure everyone else does as well. And I think you're right. He was under a culture, right, where no mm -hmm. one could talk. So now it seems for 20 years like it's just canned answers, whether it's like Derek Jeter kind of stuff. Yep. But now he's finally, you know, kind of maybe able to speak his mind or, you know, what I think is going to happen. We are going to get a book at mm -hmm. some point this decade, Joe, right? And it's going to be awesome. We're going to hear about Alex Guerrero. We're going to hear yeah. about Spygate. We're going to hear about why he crushed his cell phone, <laughs> you know, and things of that nature. And I think it's definitely coming now that he's kind of, you know, he's 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 out of that building. He's out of that environment. And so it is interesting to hear. I thought it was interesting. You know, he talked about continuing to want to play. And he said, like, you know, you don't tell a great musician that they have to stop when they're 42. You know, you don't tell a great drummer that they have to stop when they're 42. And I think that's an interesting analogy. Now, does yep. he have all the tread left on the tire? No. But who am I or anyone else to tell him that he can't give it a go? Yep. We'll see what the production is like on the field. The tape never lies. But if there's a market for him, go ahead, bro. And it seems like there was a market at the level of $30 million a year. Yeah, and, and you know, it's a matter of circumstance, and, and timing is everything, right? The perfect sure. timing for Tampa Bay. Um, yep. You know, there was a lot made also even um, with that interview. And while people were just so enamored with, uh, with Tom Brady, 
Um, there was also a lot of people that were applauding Jameis Winston's response. Right. Uh, which was, you know, hey, God, you know what? I mean, I guess I should be, it's, I'm flattered. I mean, listen, I got basically run over by a 43-year-old Tom Brady. And, um, yeah, while well, other people like, good job, James. You know, way to take the high road there. It's like, are you friggin' kidding me? Like, seriously? You know, it's like, yeah, my ex, uh, going out with that dude, Dave, great guy. I mean, really, I should be, I'm blessed that uh, she found such a great, like, are you serious, Jameis? I'd have been pissed off. Tell the world you're pissed off. And actually, to me, I would rather see that from Winston than the sucking of the proverbial Tom Brady ass, which is what is going on around the world and around the NFL. And even Jameis got sucked into that vortex of, Oh, well, it's Tom Brady. <laughs> what? What do you do? I mean, I was like, you got to be kidding. And people are applauding that, Dane. Right. I think he has to split hairs here, though, Joe, you know, because he also, you're right, right? He's <laughs> got to try to throw these platitudes. I think it would sound good. Like, for example, Cam Newton, right? Yes. Who also got, you know, thrown aside by an organization, okay? He, I think, played it the right way. He was so, pissed. Thanks <laughs> to the fans, yep. the organization, right? Those kind of platitudes. But at the same time, you can tell that there is a chip on his shoulder and he's ready to prove it. He's yep. ready to rock. Okay? What Jameis is doing, like you said, throwing all the platitudes, saying, oh, I'm flattered. On some level, Joe, you still have to do that because he is still... You know, there's still 31 other teams that may want are like looking at him right now to see if he can be a franchise quarterback, a leader of their organization. So he sort of has to still say some of the right things. I agree with you. He could have gone the route of like, I still got a lot left to prove, a lot left in the tank. I'm itching that, you know, anything. <laughs> I do think he has to kind of do the nice coach speak also. Can't they kind of I think they have to do both, though. I, 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 I t you know, if I'm a, if I'm a football head coach, like I want some fire in Jameis. Not that he's happy that you know he's he feels blessed that Tom Brady took your job. Yeah, you were the number one draft. You weren't a, like a fifth round draft pick, man. That man, you were the number one pick uh, in a draft, man. Like you, where's that fire? I mean, Cam to me. Like, when I look at, to me, Jameis is a guy that sounds like he has come to the realization you're a 15-year backup in the NFL. Congratulations. That's basically what it sounds like. Cam's like, you know, scorched earth. Like, he's going to go scorched earth. I want an opportunity to be able to show you. So, uh, and I still don't, who is the backup now in Tampa Bay? That's a very good question. I, I'll have to find that. You I know? got, yeah, they signed somebody else. Yeah, and that's why we think, listen, Tampa may be, in the market, right, for right. a quarterback in the draft. But here's the other thing. Like, if you put um, Jameis on one side of the continuum, right, like playing two nights, mm -hmm. right, and you have Cam who's, you know, thanking the fans, let's say, thankful for his opportunity, but still showing that he, you know, he ain't done and he's right. got a chip on his shoulder. I'm going to put that in the middle, Joe. On the other side with Scorched Earth, though, is Antonio Brown. Right. right, And in the way Antonio Brown talks about former teams or what have you, no one wants to sign him. You know, he becomes a liability. So I think any of these players have to walk a delicate line about saying the quote-unquote right things, still showing that they have that fire in them, but not going completely burning bridges, Joe, because you can't be alienated in the fraternity that is the league, you know? I Listen, I'm not saying, you know... Screw that, you know, non-strawberry-eating, ug-wearing, SOB, like, nothing like that. But, you know, hey, they made a big mistake. I'm not done yet. I'm ready to prove. You know, there was a million ways he could have approached this and say, I'm happy for, you know, I love the fans. Good. They got, obviously, the greatest of all time, but I'm not done. Anything along that massaged it around that way besides, yeah, Tom Brady, I'm just uh, so happy. Like, oh, my God, James, that's... Congratulations, you're a 15-year backup quarterback in the NFL. It's what you are. It's what you will be. And oops, look at that. You just threw another interception. Um, so that was, I thought, was just kind of blew me away with the whole, the Brady interview and people being all taken back. Uh, but the, the Jameis Winston response is just beyond me. And listen, the fact that him and Cam are still on the market right now, Dane, is very telling. I know Cam with the injuries, right? But... 
What the hell was your I mean, this Tom Brady thing's been out there for a month. Like, the interest level of teams, it, like, Jameis, you should be pissed. I think you got to wait until the draft at this point, right? The oh, yeah. Seen that phase of it. I don't think anyone's going to get signed in the next, like, couple of weeks. Whether it's What about bagging up in Kansas City? Somebody I mean, had mentioned that to me there, too, because Matt Moore is probably 100 years old now, and they had to... But you, if you're Jameis, like, fine, maybe that makes sense for Kansas City, but if, right. you're Jameis, if you're Cam, you're looking for a place where you have a better chance of actually a path to maybe getting into the QB1 role, and Kansas City is not that, right? So, and by the way, it is Blaine Gabbert. Yes, 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 yes. One-year contract kind of to be the backup to the 43-year-old Tom Brady whenever the season starts. But I think, you know, where the, the free agent market uh, at least, Joe, is right. mostly in, in, a, in a holding pattern right now, right? Because with the draft on the horizon, these teams, you know, may look to go that route. And then after the draft, I yep. think there will be another kind of wave of these free agents, whether it's the pass rushers that are out there, the quarterbacks that are out there, after teams kind of recalibrate their needs that were not filled via the draft. Yep, we got, um, and the draft, and speaking of that too, our buddy Joe Lisi, uh, college football extraordinaire, uh, he'll be joining us here this morning. We're gonna uh, we're gonna start diving in uh, to some of these uh, players and what Joe thinks uh, of who, what, where, and how. Obviously, a lot of question marks at the top of that draft where the fireworks could get crazy. But uh, we, you know, like we had said, Dane, we really do think those middle rounds, those from ten on, also could be a lot of maneuvering, especially from teams that have multiple choices, multiple picks, like. Uh, Miami, uh, the Raiders also find themselves in a pretty good spot. Um, some teams kind of sitting in that at area, Dane, where like Tennessee, where you know what, if they wanted to, you want to come up, guys, and get a player uh, in the first round that you like, we'll, we'll take more draft picks. You know, there's, there's very interesting, um, even Jacksonville with two picks uh, in the front there has some maneuverability so how it all goes down it really depends on how you rank the players and of course uh, Joe will give us his thoughts on the upcoming draft we also learned that uh, not all the coaches are completely comfortable with having you know 20 people in their house Dane uh, for the uh, for the draft there because of obvious fears of spreading the coronavirus um, I get it, you know. I I, I understand the uh, the concern there, but at the same time, um, I gotta believe that you know, billionaire owners and franchises certainly uh, can afford certain uh, precautions there that would uh, enable nobody to come walking through the door. Who, shall we say, hasn't um, you know doesn't pass a thermometer test or right. has got a fever or those. And again, I do you really think somebody? is going to be like, well, you know, I feel like crap. I'm not going to tell them what's going on. Like, I, there's, got to be, there's got to be a level of um, comfort there, knowing that these are your people here. There are ways around that as well. You would think so. Um, I mean, I think the concern is valid, yeah. right? Um, like, I'm not having people come visit my apartment right, right. now. You know, but, and, and the interesting part, Joe, I, I saw that story as well, and I read it that not only do the team execs or some of the front office people have concerns about allowing these IT guys, for lack no. of a better term, come, come in and set it up, but, but Joe, some of the IT guys have concerns about going into other people's places. Yeah, I, I get it. Yep. It happens both ways, right? And I do think that it is a valid concern, but in the next two weeks, you should be able to, whatever the case may be, test people, get a clean bill of health, you know, have them come in when you're not there or something like that. There's, there's got to be ways around it. I think it's a valid concern, but something that the NFL should be able to figure out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and, uh, and again, I, I'm sure they will, and I just think it's a, uh, it's a way for some coaches and, uh, and GMs who continue to not want the draft and wanted to push it down, mostly because they probably didn't do their work and their uh, and their scouts suck, so they don't have all of the, uh, the shall we say, the confidence uh, right. necessary. So they think by pushing, uh, pushing it down the road, and uh, that makes no sense to me. Because it's funny, all of teams, Dane, and all the people bitching and moaning and complaining about, oh, the draft should be postponed, should be pushing down. Uh, not in the top five. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, you notice that? Not one. Like, in fact, I believe um, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, coach, Zach Taylor, is like, 
we we're good. Like we're fit. We're very comfortable with uh, you know with the draft. We're five. <laughs> well, of course you are. You know, so you know exactly who you're getting. It starts to get a little complicated when you get into those middle uh, those middle picks in the first round. And some teams are just not comfortable. I think with the information they have, and, and some teams never will. And that's what it comes down to. We've talked about this before, Joe, in, in a cynical way. Mm -hmm. I thought that you know. Part of what was motivating the GMs in this concern was not necessarily the public health concern, right. but the concern of their own reputation, right? Because in later rounds, or you're saying even later in the first round, yep. you know, listen, people, the draft is almost like a 50% proposition anyway, right? If you look at the first round and years gone by and how many of them are actually impact players or even on rosters, yep. it is roughly a 50% proposition. So you're right, Joe. The top six picks, we knew who they were going to take. They're not going to get blowback regardless, okay? But these other picks or further down in the draft, if in two, three years, some GM is on the hot seat because we look back and over the last five years, only two of their draft picks have been impact starters, there's not going to be any asterisk about the fact that there was COVID-19 going around for the 2020 draft, okay? So that is part Part of what is motivating them that they, they don't have these pro days yeah. they don't have the team interviews they you know only the tape god forbid to make these evaluations and they may have a greater chance of getting it wrong i've even seen joe some of the gms you know they're they're taking suggestions on how to kind of move this draft around and make it different i've even heard the suggestion of adding rounds to the draft yes actually picking more players and what does that do that just again makes the gms look better because then you know at the end of the season, we can say, oh, the, the Team X still has four or five players on their yep. roster from this draft. You know, so uh, there's, there's interesting motivations. We always talk about that, Joe. Yep. We have to consider the source and understand the motivation of these people. I love, yeah, Kevin uh, Gilbride of the Steelers there thought it would, uh, we, we should have 10 rounds. Like, give us an extra, yeah, of course, give you three extra rounds to get it right. You know, it's like, of course. So this way you can cover your own arse, basically, is, uh, is what a lot of these guys are doing. But uh, the truth is, haven't heard from Miami, haven't heard from Andy Reid, haven't heard from Belichick. You know, some of the, uh, the established uh, folks there in the league, I don't hear an awful lot of complaining from. Uh, it's a lot of those uh, middle ground type of uh, teams and GMs who are trying to figure it out, Dane, that got a lot to lose, uh, especially since, you know, if you screw this one up, man, and you had the combine, you got three, four years of tape on, but you've, been, you've had all of this free time to talk to anybody and everybody you want. Um, like so all happened, the blue-gray game, whatever those were. They kicking happened. the can oh. down the road. Yeah, that's a you thing. That's not a, that's not a league-wide thing. So uh, we'll touch base, though, of course, on, uh, on some of the news surrounding the draft. Joe Lisi uh, will join us, and we'll get you caught up with, uh, with some of those top picks, what they're doing, where we think they're going to go. And a couple more headlines from around the world of sports coming your way here on The Early Line. It is The Grid, sportsgrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to The Grid. It is sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as uh, we continue to push along uh, with some of the headlines from around the world of sports. And one of the big things this week that we, we heard were rumored, and we've heard this for a little while now, you know, every sport trying to stay top of mind, uh, trying to do anything and everything to be able to provide some content and some distractions there, uh, for their fan bases, and, and quite honestly, the, it's no shock that uh, all of us, uh, I don't care what the sport is, would love um, something, anything. Uh, WrestleMania did a great job. UFC uh, next week, of course, is going to give us a... Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, outside of the video games and the Belarus handball, uh, we, we get it, and the leagues get it. So the NBA uh, released, uh, and Adam Silver talked about the... They've been working on and kicking around uh, a game of horse where right. they're going to set up some NBA players in their own gyms, own locations, and, uh, you know, and hold a game of horse, and we've all played it, so we know what's going on. 
Uh, and then they went ahead. Now, on the surface, I, oh, okay, you know what I mean? I'm not, uh, I'm not upset about that. I get it. I think that's pretty cool. But then they announced the participants. And I'm just confused on how this is going to work because the, the rumors or the names that, that were given out were Chris Paul. Yep. You know, I'd, I'd rather have Jake from State Farm, but that's fine. So Chris Paul, Trey Young... Uh, you got yourself Zach Levine, who got, you know, robbed in the dunk competition there. Uh, a couple of NBA players. Um, and then they talked about maybe a, uh, a recent NBA alum, somebody who just retired. I don't know who it's going right, to be. Right. right, but I'm looking at that. WNBA players? Yeah, I mean, a couple of WNBA players. I'm looking at this, and I'm going, I don't understand the NBA players because they're, they could not be three more different guys. And, like, Zach Levine... Is Zach Levine going to hit a, a mid-range, you know, he's not even going to hit a mid-range jumper and blow us all away, Zach. Like, it's not going to happen. He's, he's going to dunk, and then Trey Young is going to go up into Section 403 and start hitting, you know, bombs. Chris Paul is going to do, I, I don't know what the hell, Chris, probably going to pass it to himself. I don't know what else he's going to do. Um, I just, I don't understand the participants. And then if you got NBA alum, like, I... Zach Levine's just going to dunk all over the place, and outside of Eddie Jones Jr., who in the hell is going to be able to match that? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And you would say the same thing about, like, what Trey Young. Trey Young's right. going to pull up from 40, right, and bang. Yep. You know, so I – first, if we take a step back, okay, like, sure, give it a shot. We've been talking about for weeks, Joe, about how the sports fan is craving yep. anything, Right. We've been talking about everything from horse racing to esports and WrestleMania and 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 putting people together in quarantine. Down yep. So, I, you know, I can't fault the NBA for trying to put something out there. Okay, on a base level, sure, you want to give us something to consume. Cool, I'll take it. In this universe where we're watching football players play Madden on video games, you know. Yep. So, with the with that with that perspective, I then agree with you, right? It just sounds mismatched. Get like, get if you want Trey Young, then also have Steph Curry and Damian Lillard, right? And figuring out have it be a kind of shooting affair. Uh, if you have you. Zach Levine, right? Then then have know, Eddie Jones, like have the, you know what I mean? Give us a rematch. Exactly. Yeah, do that kind of stuff and have it be like a quasi dunk contest. If you they did this though once, Joe. Um, I remember I think it was 2010 mm. in the All Star Skills Competition. Oh yes, they had a game of horse, and I think there were teams of one NBA player and a WNBA player together. So we'll see what the kind of rules will be. But on its face, I really can't fault them for trying to put something out there. No just problem. Anything will be consumed, right? No, no problem. We talk about Tiger versus Phil, WrestleMania, whatever it is, UFC, figuring it out. So. Sure, get stuff out there. How, like, quality will it be? I have no effing clue. But, Joe, I do have to ask you, what was your, like, go-to shot in horse? I played horse growing up. I'm sure you did as well. Absolutely. What was it like? Uh, I used to – I'm a righty, okay? Right. So I used to shoot, like, one-handed lefty jumpers and see if those would go. Or, like, i do it from, like, sitting down on the foul line. Like, right. what was your kind of go-to shot in a game of horse? Uh, mine was the free throw. Okay. Make the damn free throw because, you know, to me, that was the hardest shot for everybody because everyone else, I, you know, when you play that, everyone else trying to do these backwards dunks and all that. Like, dude, here, I'm going to make a free throw. Go ahead. Let me see. Because it would, to me, it was always the easiest shot that gave people the most difficulty because, they're you know, they're trying to be all world there. And it's like, yeah, now just make, make a free throw. I dare you make a free throw. I think, to be honest, when, at least when they did this in the All-Star game, that's kind of what it was, yeah. right? It was just shooting from different spots on the court. Yep. You know how everybody has their favorite spots or like, oh, I'm going to bank it from this angle. So if it winds up being something, in essence, just like a kind of shooting contest, right? and it's fine to have a WNBA player with a slasher from the NBA, right. a exactly. recent NBA alum, you know, exactly. think, then it's okay. Who is, and this, I was thinking about this, NBA alum. Okay, NBA alum. So we're talking about uh, probably a retired guy, somebody recently retired. Um, so I'm thinking, well, who would it be? Like, who, uh, who would we want to see in this situation? Because you can't bring out, you can't bring like a Barkley or somebody like that because they can't even sure. jump, right? So, I mean, you don't want to do that. I think it's Vince Carter. I, I think maybe Vince. We 
hasn't retired yet. Joe. Oh, he's done. He knows it. He is done <laughs> one way or the other. That season's over. He's over. But I could see it being because so, somebody's got to play, right? Right, right, right. I, you know who I think could do and, and could be uh, be having the fun loving with mm. it and people would like to see? Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, there you go. That's a good call, too. Yep. Or, or D. Wade. Sure. Well, again, yeah, absolutely. We see D. Wade, you know, doing things with his wife, um, kind of putting videos out yep. there. Dude, he's staying in shape. I would like to see Dirk. I think Dirk would have a fun time with it yep. and could be kind of this lovable guy. And then maybe Zach Levine is like, yeah, do this between the legs dunk. You know, and, yeah. and Dirk, Dirk and D. Fun. Wade is a great call, dude. Yeah. That could be because they said a couple of uh, NBA alums, so they're the most recent. Absolutely. Absolutely needles oh yes that would definitely move the needle at me because d wade had even talked about trying to do some one-on-ones and those types of things with some guys guys listen Love it. Also recently recruited um in the big three if you yes. remember joe you know like this i i mean i i hate to say it this way now but i do know that they were working on getting paul pierce kevin garnett and the late kobe bryant yes. together to form one of those big three kind of teams. And yep. I know obviously that won't happen now because of the untimely death of Kobe Bryant. Right. But, you know, I would look to maybe these big three rosters. These guys are recent alum as well. And in that league, getting, you know, more and more hype and getting larger and larger, they're getting kind of, you know, more well-known people. It's not like B and C level uh, former NBA players. They're starting to get actual name brands. Yep. So maybe they could look to the big three for some... Uh, potential players for horses yeah I, I i love the idea i like the way they're uh they're going with that i think it's uh it, I, I think the alum could definitely attract a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of viewers not like they need a lot of help to do it but i think it would be really really cool because again you have to be able to be in some shape in order to be able to play even uh, even a game of horse uh, but in other NBA news, of course, the Bulls went ahead and uh, got rid of, uh, you know, Paxton there. It was thanks so much. It was enjoyable. Uh, they went out and find themselves a new, uh, basically, president, uh, vice president of operations, GM, call them what you want. Uh, I like the hire because it's obviously a burned down start over for the Chicago Bulls, in which it has to be. They have not been able to get this right with Hoiberg and, uh, and Butler leaving and everybody else. I mean, it's just been a hodgepodge of crap there. Uh, so they go out and get a guy that's done a pretty good job with a franchise that includes uh, draft picks, uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, Jokic uh, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. Um, this guy is a fantastic uh, guy, uh, uh, you know, measuring of talent-wise. So he is going to be there now. And I don't want to uh, butcher his last name, but uh, it's, it's Arturis. Uh, Karnasovas uh, from Denver. I probably butchered it. Uh, but when you look at the track record of what this guy has done in the draft and the team that he's a guy that's worked under Tim Connolly in Denver, but my word, guys, this is a guy that can, he can scout talent, which is really what that position is supposed to be all about, right? Yeah. I mean, that was the problem with Paxson is he couldn't put it all, couldn't put it all together. And it just, it was time. It was time for a change in that franchise. He kept blaming the coaches and you alienated players left and right, and you still got some quality pieces on Chicago. I think now with the right leadership, he'll go ahead and hire, obviously, his people. Uh, it's, I think it's the right move at the right time for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I do think that makes sense. You know, Chicago, listen, though, they've been bitten by the injury bug yeah. a lot. They're young yep. players that they have taken. Uh, Markinen comes to mind and mm -hmm. others that never had a chance to fully realize or fully see the level of their potential. So there is some stuff to work with down there in Chicago. Of course, um, they are not, you know, contenders in the Eastern Conference. But what's yeah. going to be very interesting, Joe, is, and we're hearing this, you know, what will the NBA League calendar be? Yes. You know, we're hearing Adam Silver say he wants to try to crown a champion sometime before Labor Day. We've talked about what that means for the next NBA season, free agency, the draft, you know, kind of, the, the summer league, or maybe that'll be the fall league. Yep. And so what'll be really interesting for the new Chicago GM or anybody else that's yep. coming into this kind of position is really how to deal um, with a unique set of circumstances. We just talked about the NFL draft, right, mm -hmm. Joe, and how GMs are like, hey, yep. 
This kind of puts us behind the eight ball. Well, imagine if you are now walking into this situation as a new GM mm-hmm. and you don't even have the benefit of like the rest of this season to evaluate your talent. You know, like yeah. we may not see the Bulls play much because what happens if they fast forward to a playoff scenario, right? Then then we don't see the Bulls in action yep. anymore and a new GM has no tape really mm-hmm. to go on to see what he wants to do and what he wants to prioritize. So I think it's a tough spot. Yeah, it, it is, but it's a, you got to do it. Chicago's a great basketball town. It's a great city uh, with a great history, obviously, with Michael, but uh, Paxson stepped down. He's going to stay in an advisory role, whatever that means. Um, Gar Foreman, just, he's probably in all likelihood gone. So uh, this guy's going to hire his own people. I don't know if they'll keep Fred Hoiberg or not. Maybe go out and get his own coach. Uh, none of that obviously has been decided. But to me, much like the Knicks and other franchises looking to start over, you know, you, you got to stop at the top, man. You got to get that position right because everything else seems to trickle down from there. And Chicago, too good a, too good a town, too good a basketball town, too good a history to just be as laughing stock as they have been uh, over the last couple of years. And Thibodeau couldn't get it done, you know, and it's just been an absolute mess. You trade Jimmy Butler, and then he goes on to have this ridiculous career. Look at him now in Miami. Like, eh, a lot of questionable moves here, and uh, don't get me started about uh, D. Rose, too. So uh, Chicago's had the players, and they've botched it everywhere along the line. Yeah, and I mean, I think you made a good point, though, Joe, that the NBA is better when teams like Chicago. Yes, absolutely. You know, the Bulls, the Knicks. Uh, absolutely. In, in the previous few years, you know, there was a time when the Lakers and the Celtics were really down. And, you know, the league is better when these kind of blue-chip yep. flagship franchises yep. are in the conversation, right? Yep. And I'm saying that as a Knicks fan, but at this yep. point, the Deacon Aura is gone. You know, from the Knicks, it's been, what, 30 It's easy to be the, I mean, you know, you think like, oh, it's Chicago, but guys, it's real easy to fall into that trap if you don't get out of your own way as a franchise. But it looks like they've decided, and and Paxson was, uh, guys, you want to rebuild, maybe it's best that I step away. And, you know, he did the the classy thing uh, because they do have some, uh, they got some players there. They just, they've got no structure whatsoever. Yep, absolutely. Love it see if that's what happens and listen this draft this free agency coming up for the nba there will be a lot of moves and it will be unique the yep. same way it is right now for the nfl think about it built a uh, built an entire team from denver around a seven foot guy that can drop threes from europe uh you know what i mean that not a lot of people were like huh what really so this is um he's certainly shown a pretty good resume so that'll be uh, that'll be fun to watch as they put it together a uh, couple of uh, NFL stories um, uh, circling around. Chris Johnson, former running back, uh, Tennessee Titan, great, is apparently, uh, according to TMZ, being investigated uh, for a double uh, murder for hire. Uh, and y- you guys may remember back in 2015 there, he was shot in Orlando driving at 4 o'clock in the morning. Somebody pulls up and starts unloading with him. Uh, the driver, dead. Chris Johnson gets shot uh, almost, uh, you know, it was touch and go there. He survives. Well, as it turns out, um, those guys that were allegedly the shooters might have um, might have met an untimely death there, Dane, there. So uh, apparently it looks like there was some back and forth with gangs and everything else, and, and Chris Johnson denies it, but apparently he might have been responsible for, um, shall we say, you shoot me, I shoot you kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, listen, there are still details kind of coming out. I saw a report from TMZ. Not arrested. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves just yet on this story. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, he has been accused Mm -hmm. of this, of, in essence, funding, like, getting the hitman. Yes, pretty uh, much. In essence. But, you know, um, everyone is innocent until proven guilty Mm -hmm. in this country. But, yes, that is the reports that are coming out right now. And when we talk about it, that... um, this, this idea that it may be retaliation for the incident that happened about five years ago. Um, you know, I mean, unfortunately, these things do happen in our country. Unfortunately, athletes are not always choir boys. No. I don't know, we do not know the exact details of this, but the way they're putting it together, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like revenge. Yeah, like, and it does, unfortunately, it does sound uh, somewhat... Um gang-related, you know, tit-for-tat thing, which is just uh, crazy. But he denies it. No arrests, no nothing. But it is certainly being leaked uh, that there are informants and that 
Uh, Chris Johnson's apparently pulling a lot of strings behind the scenes, and time will tell. Like, we ain't got enough uh, else going on. But that 2009-yard year was still one of the best uh, that we have seen. Say about him, because, yep. you no, know, you're yeah. down there also. You don't want him hiring anybody. Who's yeah, 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 it's a good point, yeah. So we'll move on from there. And we'll bring into a guy that can actually get us uh, behind the scenes, and that's Joe Lisi. He'll join us uh, coming up next. We'll talk a little... Uh, NFL draft coming your way. Who should get where? Where you know who's looking at what? A guy that knows all the players, everything you guys need to know, certainly to make some money uh, coming in the draft. We'll pick Joe Lisi's mind. We'll do that coming up next here on the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. It's the early line. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here. It is the early line on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Uh, and, uh, of course, Dane Martinez alongside here as we welcome in our good friend Joe Lisi and uh, when it comes to college football I can assure you there is nobody you want to be listening to or paying attention to more well yeah no Joe Lisi I was going to say blow it but we all know that's just a crock uh, so what we're going to go ahead is bring Jojo in because the poor guy is stuck in Jersey right now he's got nobody to talk to he's got a lot of time on his hands Dave so you know what we figured let's bring him in let's talk some college football and Jojo, how are you, brother? Everything all right in your neck of the woods? Yeah, staying safe, guys. I hope you are as well. And this is the apocalypse for the single divorced dad here over here. But oh. we need sports to get back. And hopefully the football season for the NFL and college will follow suit. So chomping at the bit to talk some college football. All right. So one of the first things we want to ask you here, uh, Jojo, of course, is about the draft itself. Because uh, Dane and I were talking a little bit earlier about uh, some guys, some uh, GMs, uh, oh, why are you having it? Uh, maybe we should add a couple of rounds. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, it's so funny because none of the people bitching and moaning are in the top ten. Uh, it's usually the teams that are down closer to the end because they don't trust their scouting or whatever the hell's going on. But really, I mean, what more information could you possibly gather, Joe? outside of what you already know to push this draft back any further are we, are you on that side where you think maybe uh maybe a little more time or do you think listen you've had more than enough time get it done yeah i i'm with you joe i think the less time the better and i'm actually happy that it's a teleconference this year maybe it will expedite the whole process. I mean, if you don't know who you're going to pick with, you know, your first overall pick and you're at 12, 13, you have to have a handful of players. I can make that decision within three seconds. So uh, some 15 minutes is way too long, in my opinion. But this is the NFL. They like to drag things out. You know, they love the showmanship. And we'll see how it plays out. But I'm actually happy that it's a teleconference this year because I think that'll speed things up from the television perspective. Yeah, Joe, and here's the thing, right? They're not going to be all walking across a red carpet showing their fashion sense, so maybe they can be a little bit more efficient. Joe, I want to ask you, diving in to the offensive line position, okay? I have heard that there are four blue-chip studs that are going to go relatively early in the first round. Obviously, I'm talking about Wirfs. I'm talking about Becton, Wills, and as well, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Can you give me a little bit of a thumbnail sketch? What are, you know, what are the skills that some of those four have better than the others are one more of a run blocker or a pass blocker. Can you give me some details and split the hairs of why one of these big offensive linemen may go ahead of the others? How do you see these four stud offensive linemen? Well, I mean, for me, the top pick is worse. And you, the way, the, because of each, he translates to the NFL game the best, in my opinion. You look at Iowa offense alignment traditionally, they play well on the next level. And they're coached by Kirk Ferentz, 
blue-collar guys, very physical at the point of attack. They're big, they're strong, and they can wear you down, especially in terms of run blocking. So that's the one thing I think when you look at Wirfs, his game translates to the next level in terms of being able to plug it and play immediately. So when I look at some of the others, you look at Mikey Becton from Louisville, 6'7", 360, ran a 5'140". He's a guy that can wear you down at the point of attack as well. Uh, again, is he... Against better competition, that would be my concern. Going up against Big Ten competition, teams like Ohio State, Michigan, each and every year, that conditions you on the next level. You look at Louisville, outside of Clemson, the, the strength of schedule for Louisville is re relatively uh, – I want to say sub 500. So that would be the concern for some of these players in terms of translating on the next level. It goes worse. I'll, t I'll give you another player in the second or third round. Keep an eye out for Isaiah Wilson of Georgia. He's 6'7", 340. This kid was a, a New York player of the year four years ago. In run blocking and in terms of Georgia players translating to the NFL, they make the next step. So keep an eye out for him as well. All right, Joe, so let me ask you here, at the top of the draft, um, every draft, mock draft, uh, Burrow to Cincinnati and Chase Young to Washington. It makes the most sense. I, I don't know how many more teams would be willing to pay what it's going to take to move up to that number two spot with Washington. Rivera's there. Um, I, I don't know how in the world. Chase Young, in a lot of people's minds, is the safest pick in this draft. So the fireworks could happen at three, so the question I have to you is if it's not a quarterback, and let's say Detroit kind of sits there and says, you know what, we're, we're good, who is that next name? Who is that next one off the board who's not a quarterback in that number three spot? Well, I think it's Isaiah Simmons for Clemson. I mean, the versatility in this kid, I mean, a 4'3", 940, uh, he could play nickel, he can play a little safety, you could use him as an edge rusher, linebacker. His ability to tackle in space uh, led Clemson in back-to-back -back years in tackles, and, and he's just an, a legitimate playmaker off the edge. It's very rare when you get a, a player like Isaiah Simmons, especially in the, the first five picks, that is just elite. I mean, this guy stepped up against better competition. And when you look at the NFL right now, the ability to cover in space, to cover like an Alvin Kamara uh, coming out of the short intermediate passing game, the ability to be... Uh, to, uh, to account for him at all times from an offensive perspective is why Isaiah Simmons will be a top five pick. So outside of quarterback and Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, you could possibly push him with Chase Young with the second overall pick. And, uh, and well, let's face it, who's the first call? I'm going to ask you, besides Joe Burrow, who's going up next, JoJo? <laughs> I think it'll be Tua just because I don't think it's an elite quarterback class. Justin Herbert, I'm not sold on. So I think a team will jump up to get Tua. I don't recommend it. I said it before with Gabe the other night. I, re I recommend taking Tua like Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago for Baltimore. Last pick in the first round. The injury concerns for me are huge, even though Herbert stepped up in terms of the wonderlick. Failed to win a big game on the road in back-to-back -back years. Look at that game against Arizona State. Couldn't couldn't knock off Jaden Daniels in Arizona State, and that cost his team a college football playoff appearance. All right, so, Joe, we were talking about Tua. We know about Joe Burrow. I want to ask a little bit more about Justin Herbert. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this kid was a blue-chip prospect last year. So what I would like to know is, how does his grade compare against last year's quarterbacks, guys like Daniel Jones, guys like Dwayne Haskins? Because I know he came back, led his team to a Pac-12 championship, a Rose Bowl victory, was the MVP of the Senior Bowl. I want to see where is he in the frame of reference against last year's rookie quarterbacks? I put him right in the middle, uh, Dane, in, in terms of, you know, his big playability. And I and granted, he did come with a lot of fanfare coming out of high school and, and scored very well on the Wonderlick. And I think that's what a lot of NFL GMs will see is his Wonderlick score. He's 6'6". He's got a big arm. 
But I look at the play on the field for me, and that's the one concern. You know, completion percentage two years ago was only 59%. He got it up to 65%. But his inability over the last couple of years to win critical road games. A couple of years ago, they lost on the road as a, a, a favor to Utah. They could not win that ball game. They lost by eight points to a backup quarterback. They lost to Washington State two years ago in Pullman. Last year against Arizona State, they had an opportunity opportunity cracked the college football playoff he got out dueled by a freshman in Jaden Daniels so that's what I see Oregon translated their game as well they had a rushing attack they had a much better defense in 2019 and that's why Justin Herbert in my opinion stepped up and played well now he's a good quarterback but being an elite quarterback coming out of Oregon right here right now I just don't see it uh, for 2020. All right, Joe, so uh, the question is then, and one of our favorite prop bets is the amount of quarterbacks going in the uh, first round. We've got uh, four and a half hovering on a number here, and we know, obviously, Joe Burrow. We know Tua. I'm like you, though. I'm not necessarily uh, sold on the, uh, the health, and I'm not sure that other teams are sold on three surgeries in, uh, you know, in three years here. But you got, you know, we got Bryce Love, and we also have got, and I want to forget, Eason and Fromm and, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts, too. So how many quarterbacks do you think are gone in the first round this year? I'm actually going under that bet of, of four and a half. I think this is the year we'll see three possibly four in the first round, but I don't think it's going to be five or six like we've seen in years past. I don't see that quarterback slipping in there for number five. To me, this is just a mediocre class from top to bottom. Joe Burrow and Tua are the two guys head and shoulders above the rest. If there is a sleeper that cracks the first round because of his physical attributes, it could be Jacob Eason. But outside of that, I think we're three or four quarterbacks at best. Hey, Joe, it may not be a strong draft at the quarterback position, but by all reports, there are a number of wide receivers who have draft grade that could go in the first two rounds. I'm hearing as many as 15 could be valid picks in the first couple of rounds. We know about Judy. We know about Lamb. We know about Ruggs. Can you tell me a little bit about any of these guys that you like that may be later in the first round or for a team like my Jets may take in the second round, whether that's a Jefferson, a T. Higgins, the kid from Colorado? Can you give me some color on some of these wide receivers that may not go in the top 15, but it sounds like a deep wide receiver class. So who do you like among them? Yeah, I, I talked about it on Football Full Circle during the XFL season. The player that I really like in terms of my top 10 pick is Justin Jefferson. Now, ran a 4-4. He got overshadowed by Jamar Chase, but this kid is a big play wide receiver, did it against elite competition. So when you talk about Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Playing for Alabama, Justin Jefferson did it for the national champions. Averaged over 15 yards per carry, had over 15 receiving touchdowns. So he's a kid that can jump, catch the football at its highest point, and it's a lot faster than people think. So I like Justin Jefferson, but keep an eye out for Michael Pittman of USC. This is a player that did record 1,200 receiving yards. He's a smooth route runner, 6'4", 225 pounds, catches the football at its highest point, can break bump and run coverage. And his father, Michael Pittman, did uh, win the MVP for Tampa Bay in terms of the Super Bowl. He comes from that type of lineage. So he's a player, I think, he put up 225 for 13 reps. He's a possible first-round draft pick, in my opinion. And then you mentioned Chenault from Colorado. Didn't uh, play in terms of uh, practice in the combine. Had a hamstring injury. That will hurt him. But this is a player that is an elite talent, in my opinion. A running back in a wide receiver's body. He's big. He's strong. Catch the football at its highest point. But he breaks off routes. And he's very physical. So when you talk about C.D. Lamb, you also have to talk about Chenault in that category. So those are the three wide receivers that I have my eye on. Yeah, Chenault Montez cost me a lot of money last year, JoJo, but we won't talk about that. Um, let me ask you this, though. We, we all know it happens every year in every draft, right? There is that top five, that upper echelon talent that ends up falling for whatever reason because of needs and just so happens to be where, uh, where teams and their needs happen to fall in the draft. But uh, who is that one guy that 
you know, should be a top five town, but in all likelihood is going to fall down just because of the way the chips fall. We see it every year. Might that be the Akuda kid who, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people who need cornerback help, but, you know, the way the draft stacks up, this kid could end up going a lot further than he deserves to. Yeah, I w when you said who could drop, I immediately thought Akuda from Ohio State. And the reason for me is you look at the semifinal playoff game, had a key missed tackle on the last drive of the game. Now has stepped up against solid competition in the Big Ten, elite competition. He's a little shaky in my opinion. I think his tackling skills need to be honed on the next level. We've seen Ohio State uh, defensive backs struggle. Eli Apple didn't really live up to expectations in year number one with New York, got traded. So there are some concerns, in my opinion, for Ohio State. does come with a lot of fanfare, and he gets the great grades in terms of being this lockdown corner. But there are some other players I'd rather take over Jeff Fakuda in this draft. Hey, Joe, last one from me. You know, we talk about in the NFL, at least, the devaluing of the running back position, whether that's in free agency or not necessarily using a first-round draft pick on a running back. It doesn't seem like there's a Saquon Barkley, an Ezekiel Elliott, a Todd Gurley necessarily in this draft, right? But when we talk about guys like DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins or Edwards Hilaire from LSU, what do these guys profile like at the next level? You know me, I'm a fantasy football guy. Which of these rookies might be best to hit the ground running in what the NFL looks like this day and age? Not necessarily an early down guy, but someone who can be good out of the backfield and really be good in space. Who am I going to be drafting in my fantasy football league out of these running backs? Well, I'll just say DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, to me, are the two best running backs in this draft, head and shoulders. Now, Swift reminds me of Gurley. He reminds me of Saquon Barkley because of his vision, his cutback ability, and his ability to catch the football in the short to intermediate passing game. Jonathan Taylor as well. He ran a 4-3-9. This kid did have 24 receptions in Wisconsin. So those are the two elite backs that I look at. They are legit first-rounders. But when you mention some of the other backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, to me, is a comp of an old Emmett Smith type. I mean, he's loaded this ground. He doesn't go down after the first hit, yards after contact. He's a gamer. He's a guy that can actually make it on an NFL club. Is he a workhorse that he's going to be utilized in each and every play? No. But I, that's a player I keep an eye on. Now, some of the other running backs – that you mentioned J.K. Dobbins. I'm not sold on J.K. Dobbins being an elite back because of his inability in terms of ball security. That was a concern for me, Dane. You know, in Ohio State, without being tackled, he put the ball on the ground in critical matchups. That will not translate to the next level. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, I, you know, Cam Akers is another back. He uh, can be utilized. He, he's a poor man's Dalvin Cook. Went to Florida State. But, again, he's not going to be a first-rounder, second, third-rounder, play behind a, a banged-up offensive line for Florida State. Keep an eye out for Cam Akers. All right, Joe uh, Lisi, can you hang out with us? I want to ask you about your Dolphins. I want to ask you about college football this year. And uh, if you got a couple of minutes, we'll, uh, we'll bring you back over some of those as well. Sure. You got it. Joe Lisi, go for the two. Starting our number two, coming up next year on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.